following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to episode 906 of this podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, talented, and indeed scholarly, Brittany Page. Well, I'm excited to announce everybody that I... It's going to sound like the audio is mismatched, but I'm (laughs) excited to announce that I have joined the Colonoscopy Club. Oh, is there a club? Yes, it's filled with people who have completed their colonoscopies. All right. And I am now in that club. That is nice. Yeah, I'm excited. How did it go? I was going to say, how did it come out? But how did it go? (laughs) So it went well. I think that everyone telling me how horrible the prep was. Yeah, come on. It's the most irritating thing about colonoscopy discourse. But go ahead. Well, it set the bar so low, I guess, that when I actually drank the substance. <laughs> oh, you mean, so like the the bar for disgusting ah, was out of whack with what your actual experience was? Yeah, like it, it wasn't that bad. I don't know, the, the gavelite I'm talking about, because you, you've had both preps. There, I guess, is like a two-jar two one that you, you did one time, and then you also did the one giant jug, which is the gavelite, I think. Which is what I prefer. Yeah, I I really didn't think it was that bad. It kind of tastes like a flavorless Gatorade. It gets gross over time because you're just sick of drinking. Just admit a that you love it. it, and you went down to the Walgreens and tried to get a, a a side prescription of it just to drink, and you're off time. Yeah, it's I have it on the table right now, actually. <laughs> so, <laughs> glug 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 glug. But gurgle gurgle gurgle. I like when people are like, "Aren't you too young to be getting a colonoscopy?" And I'm like, "Yes, thank you, I am." <laughs> <laughs> But I, I was I was nervous, and it it went pretty well. I was not expecting to be awake during it. And oh yeah, talk about that! I ended up being awake during it. I don't think I was awake the whole time because my paperwork says that the procedure lasted about fifteen minutes. Just- they gave you the drugs too, same as me. That no, knocked me straight the fuck out. I think you got propofol. Oh, is that right? Yeah. And is it because I'm a bigger human being? I have no... I, I'm not a medical professional, so I have no Brittany, idea. come yeah. on. <laughs> Regale uh, us with your medical knowledge. Right. So I got... And this is going to surprise some people, but I got 100 micrograms of fentanyl. Wait, wait, wait. And you're not dead? I know. Yeah. yeah you know, can I, I... I want you to finish the colonoscopy bit. It seems like you do. Of the show. Um... <laughs> But I also want to talk about the joke you made on Twitter and on threads. They got removed. It's like the first time, I bet, that you've ever had something like, this violates community guidelines. It's not the first time. But thank you oh, for really? believing in me. Yeah, thank you for believing the best in me. Huh. So, yeah. we And this is funny because we just talked about this on the last show where Meta is starting to censor or, sorry, not censor, but punish in the algorithm, we'll say, anything that they deem political content and we talked about how vague that 
language is surrounding what qualifies as political content. And I posted something yesterday and I said, I want all the cops who claim they've OD'd after looking at slash touching fentanyl to know that I had 100 micrograms of fentanyl yesterday during my colonoscopy and stayed awake to watch the screen. I walked to get a shrimp po' boy afterward, <laughs> thriving. By the way, <laughs> all of this is true. <laughs> and yeah, it got deleted because it started blowing up and people seem to struggle with this idea, I think, because the media has amplified a lot of these lies and these fentanyl myths. They've spread copaganda. Yeah, that you you cannot overdose by touching fentanyl. So I'm just trying to make a point that there are people who smoke fentanyl. There are people who use fentanyl as their drug of choice. And yes, it's dangerous. Absolutely. Yeah. But you cannot overdose by touching it. And it's actually dangerous to spread that misinformation. Number one, because you see the cops having panic attacks. They're so scared to do their job that they're having yeah. panic attacks. But number two... And I think more important is that if people believe they can overdose by touching fentanyl, they will hesitate to intervene with someone who has overdosed for fear that they are going to overdose right. if they come into contact yeah, with yeah, fentanyl. Yeah. So this has real consequences. But I didn't just get fentanyl. I also got Versed, four um, milligrams of Versed, well, which is a benzo. Oh, right. And it is used during procedures to decrease anxiety and also produce memory loss so that you don't remember any discomfort or pain during the procedure. And I don't think I was awake the whole time. And I'm definitely experiencing memory loss because I don't think I was awake the whole time. But I did wake up and start watching the screen at some point. And in my memory now, it feels very stealth-like, where, like, I didn't announce, I'm awake, there's a problem. <laughs> I think I just, like, opened my eyes and was like, oh, this is happening right now. And That's I'm <laughs> the inside of my body. I'm watching the screen, and then... Worst she, sitcom ever. And then my wonderful doctor, who I absolutely love and think is completely fantastic... Yeah took a biopsy of something. Also mine. Yes. She's seen the inside of both of us. She took a biopsy of something that I heard her say looked abnormal. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> and when she started taking the biopsy of it, I could feel it, mm. and it did not feel good, and I expressed that. But apparently that helped her confirm where it was, because if it's in the colon, typically you can't feel something being biopsied in the colon, and so it was in a different area. <laughs> anyway, we don't need to get into the specifics. <laughs> so what she told me afterward was that it, it doesn't look like cancer. She's not concerned about that. So for everyone who's listening to this panicking that we are both going to end up with cancer. <laughs> Only one of us, y'all. Yeah, Don't worry. Yeah. And this, again, this is the doctor who, when you had your first colonoscopy and they found the bleeding mass in your colon. It's tumor. Yeah. In this case, it is a tumor. She did come out and she was like, so I can't tell you this is cancer until the biopsy comes back, but this is cancer and you need to go get a CT scan. So I totally trust her. I trust so I her. groggily walked down the hall to my CT scan in the moment right then. Yeah. So I trust her implicitly. Yeah. I, she's awesome. Everything that she tells me, I'm like, yes, absolutely. So overall, positive experience. And I did. I went to go get a shrimp po' boy afterward. They were like, take it easy on the eating. And I'm like, I'm going to get some fried shrimp. So I don't know if that's... Have a restful day. You're like, yeah, I'm going to walk blocks. <laughs> For a fried shrimp po' boy. Well, again, since I woke up during the procedure, I think I was 
less impacted and was able to come out of it a little bit more quickly. Boy. Although when I got in the car, I could definitely tell I felt loaded. And I they also had to give me Zofran because I vomit every time I come out of anesthesia. And I I think I had a moment where I was coming out of it where if I didn't have the Zofran, I would have been vomiting because I started sweating profusely and felt like I was going to faint. All the hallmarks of uh, puke preparation. Yeah. And then when she came over to talk to me about the biopsy, I started crying and she was like, I I didn't like say (laughs) what's going on. And I'm like, I'm just a crier. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm thankful to have healthcare. I'm thankful that I was able to get referred to a GI who listened to me and all of my problems for 30 minutes and approved me before it was necessary to have a colonoscopy to ensure that I'm healthy. Age-wise, you mean. Yeah. And I am just thankful for the process. I, that's really how I feel. <laughs> and we're waiting for a biopsy. Yeah, so, you know. Because the thing she said was not cancer. Uh, might be. Um, but unlikely. Hmm, seems like that's kind of a negative place no, to I'm take just everything. Saying, it, it, the results are, are outstanding. We don't know. Yeah, I don't so... mean outstanding is an oh, outstanding. These are great. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> will see. When Did the... I just bring the whole room down? No, it's great. We love talking about cancer. Um <laughs> We it'll come back in two to four weeks, which seems like a long time. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Can you guys? I don't know. Expedite that. Let's. let's move Maybe that they're forward. just setting the bar really, really low. So when it comes back in two days, you're like, oh shit, I was expecting you know this long time. Yeah, I also have to say it was very nice to come out of my tearful drug induced colonoscopy to messages from people checking on me and and that was that was nice too so we got a lot of good friends we'll keep everybody updated so we want to thank our patreon supporters who keep this colonoscopy loaded podcast discussions just going (laughs) going strong um thank you to our new patreon supporters chris w chris w dan k dan k carrie mc carrie mc curtis w curtis W. Mike B. Mike B. Curtis is a cool name. I immediately <laughs> thought Curtis Mayfield. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that is not Curtis Mayfield. It is Curtis W. Curtis W. Thank you. Dan Great G. name, Curtis. Great Dan- name. Dan G. Dan G. You're stepping over all these other great names. What's happening? Jack S. Jack S. Greg C. Greg C. Sebastian F. Sebastian F. Daniel L. Daniel L. Trees. Trees. Thank you, Trees. Rizitas. 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 It's something toss. Let us know. And G. Whitaker. G. Whitaker. And special shout out to Naomi L. Naomi L. A special shout out. For increasing the pledge. Thank you very much. Yes, we We appreciate all of your support. Uh, if you're interested in, in in helping keep the lights on, helping us move the conversation forward on an episode-by-episode episode basis, you can go to patreon.com slash Podcast and get your very own awesome, super cool, not interrupting the show at all, shout out. Yes. <laughs> 
All right. Now we are moving on to a crucial part of the show, which is the listener communication portion. And if you ever feel like sounding off, you can call 657-464-7609 or send an email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Quick note on the voicemail, it will automatically cut you off at three minutes. So It's a Google voice number. Yeah. All and right. So, so let me say this. I also say this on YouTube. Uh, if you call and you get cut off... um. I would prefer that you don't call back and leave another three-minute voicemail to continue your your message. And then if that one gets cut off, don't call back again and then continue because none of that's going to get played on the show. It, like in the beginning uh, of doing this show and having the phone number, I would go through and like edit down multiple voicemails into one to make it kind of seamless. We don't do that. We don't have time for that anymore. Um, this isn't like a fledgling, you know, I think we can, I think we can show. We just, there's too much going on in the operation now. So just get your thoughts together, get them congealed and ready to go. If you have to read a script, not ideal, but better than leaving nine minutes worth of voicemails. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. We love you guys. Okay. So we are going to start with an email. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. Jesse, I wanted to push back on what you were saying. <laughs> Not an auspicious start. It's already fucking listen, dick. <laughs> I wanted to push back on what you were saying about home mortgages. They definitely do increase. The payments do anyway. I don't have the paperwork in front of me, but we took our mortgage out in 2007. Our payments were around $1,100. They increased to over $1,700 over the course of six or seven years. We refinanced around 2013, which brought it back down to around $1,100. It's up over $1,600 again now. I plan on calling to see what we can do. I'm guessing it has to do with insurance and taxes. Like you, I'm a procrastinator. Whenever I do get around to calling, if I get any relevant info relevant relevant info <laughs> all right back Brittany holy shit were you spot on about Joe Rogan I used to listen to his podcast and thought you guys were being a little harsh when you'd talk about him he was on the left after all I didn't listen to every episode they are sort of geared toward teenage boys parenthetically a lot of talking about jerking off and the consistency of his carnivore diet shits <laughs> end parenthetical <laughs> But he puts out so many, I found quite a few episodes interesting. Since COVID, I think he's gone off the deep end. He's definitely a right-winger now. There isn't an episode that doesn't include vaccine misinformation or anti-trans bullshit. It almost sounds like he's getting paid to bring this shit up because he'll start talking about it out of nowhere. No guest is safe anymore. I don't know how you guys recognized his grift so early on, but you definitely did. Anyway, love the show. Brittany's the best part. Jen. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Even though Brittany is indeed the best part, let me start since I I caught the shrapnel first in the email. Delicate, as it, as it were. So listen, I'm not. we're not going to continue to talk about this landlord stuff. Um, ultimately, my position is, and I've said this for years now, for years now, you're not going to catch me punching down and so if it's a binary choice, and I know it's not, but you know, let's let's pretend that it is. If you're gonna if you're gonna think, oh, who's Jesse gonna side with? Is it gonna be landlords who are in a financially far more or far less precarious position than renters? I'm gonna side with the renters. I'm not gonna side with the power structure. It's just not gonna happen. 
Secondly, I never said that mortgages don't go up. I don't believe that's something I said because I just I don't believe that. I know how property taxes work. I know how how mortgages do increase because of of the escrow balance and paying for homeowners insurance and all of these different metrics. I understand that. So it's about passing that cost off on to the renter, I yeah, think is what you're pointing yeah, Also, what, what Jen just described is her mortgage going up over the course of six or seven years to where it is now. And that would be a gradual increase that might even track with market rates of rent. But the other thing to talk about here is market rates. Is if you're increasing the cost of your rent, that will impact housing costs in general, even the housing sales costs will go up, which will thus increase the property tax because the value of the home of the assessed value is more. So when you're raising the rents, bitching about property taxes going up, and I don't think this is Jen, I'm just in general, if you're bitching about property taxes going up and then you raise the rents exorbitantly, that raises the housing cost, which raises the assessed value, which then raises your property taxes. It's a vicious cycle. And again, I'll finish, not all landlords. If you're feeling guilty and and, 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 and wanting to call in and leave multiple messages and shit, I'm not talking about you, but maybe I am if you're that guilty feeling. So my friend sent me this link about the Arizona attorney general who sued big apartment owners for rent fixing with up to 70% of Phoenix and Tucson units affected. They were basically artificially jacking up apartment rental prices. And my friend sent me this and was like, I think this is what a lot of people mean by the market <laughs> as a joke, yeah. as a joke. Right. It's not the market. But it's then collusion. I, I opened the tweet and there was actually people in the replies defending it as the market. Yeah. <laughs> so again, and yeah, in you have your perspective. My perspective is, again, just we've created a system where people want to build wealth off the backs of something that people require to live. And we had multiple messages about this from people saying it costs money to repair things. Yeah, well, you know, if you think of being a landlord as owning a business, you took the risk of owning a business that is yeah. expensive when you have to do repairs. And so you admitting that it's expensive to repair something again that your tenant needs to have a quality of life like an air conditioning unit and then because it breaks and they need to fix it, you pass that cost off on them. Like again, I just I understand that people feel sensitive about this and they're like we're not wealthy just because we own property. We also had people messaging us who were like I own property. I don't have a mortgage on it anymore. And yes, I still raise the rent all the time Yeah, because I want to make money off my investment. Like, again, this is what we're talking about, where people are building wealth by using this thing that people need. And I think there are dangers in that. Sure, there are. You just, I love the example you just used, the the, the air conditioner. Mm -hmm. And they're using this as just absolute justification for cranking up the rent on their on their tenants because the air conditioner went out and no fault of of the landlord let's say no fault of the tenant it's just basic maintenance shit that happens it's called the cost of doing business if you went to your local wendy's and you hey i want a, a couple of double stacks hey, well, those will be six dollars each eight dollars each like, what now that's just on the value menu oh well our our uh, our air conditioner went out so we're passing that cost off directly to you well that's 
that's not a way to do business. That's that's a bad way to do business. They would go out of business. So if if you if you're if you're on such a tenuous situation that you're having to raise the rent because an air conditioner goes out, maybe you're not doing it right. And I know we're going to catch more shit and we're done talking about it, but you know, I'm not going to side with the power. I'm going to be looking out for people who are desperate and in need and and need the help. So, all right. So if you have uh, questions about that, I guess you can email them in still. But we're <laughs> moving on from the landlord discussion. Shout out to all the landlords who listen to the show. Still, we yeah, you appreciate can you. Dial eight hundred. Uh, not talking about it. Anymore. No, we appreciate you. We do. Okay. Our next email is from Emma. Hey guys, there's a lot of discussion on the Trump versus Biden rematch we seem to be rapidly approaching. But one thing people seem to leave out when talking about their differences is the far-reaching appointment power that a single president has. We can see this very obviously with Trump's three Supreme Court nominees, but he did a lot of nominating in the federal court system at large. Each president gets to appoint so many people in their administration and beyond that keep the country functional. And I think having someone that's pro-labor being able to name individuals to the NLRB is a plus. I think having someone that is pro-education being able to name a secretary of education is a plus. Maybe having an attorney general that believes in the rule of law or a postmaster general that actually wants the mail to get delivered are pluses too. (laughs) The American people elect one guy to the presidency and right now it seems that the person to fill that role is going to be an old white guy regardless of party. But whoever that guy is will have far-reaching effects. We can talk about policy differences and what executive orders will be put in place or who wants to deport more people faster. But what's important to remember is that Project 2025 is a very real threat, that Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito are getting old, that having a military with level-headed leadership are all very important points to consider when picking a candidate to cast your vote for. Rather than shallowly thinking, well, this one looks old and speaks kind of mumbled, so I think I'll go with the other one. I'm not trying to dogpile on you guys, and I think your Project 2025 video was excellent in pointing exactly what I'm saying in this email out. I have been guilty of focusing too much on trying to defend Biden despite his age, but there's a much larger scope to this election than just one guy, and I think it's important to remind people of that often. I have to remind myself of doing so all the time when talking to family and friends, so I'm not faulting anyone that makes that same mistake. Thank you for your show and all that you do every week to bring important information to the forefront. Emma. Yeah, Emma, I don't think that it's a, I don't feel piled on at all. In fact, I don't even think that it's an, it's a, a, let me, here, here's what I think. This is a yes and. It's not wrong to point out all of the things that we continuously point out, Uh, but it's, more correct and more accurate and adds more weight to the argument to talk about the appointment process and Project 2025. But really, the SCOTUS thing is right in our rearview mirror for people to forget about the fact that Roe v. Wade is gone now because of Donald Trump, who didn't win the popular vote and then allowed the Senate to confirm a Senate who doesn't even... Red state Senate senators represent a far uh, l- l- um, smaller percentage of American population than blue state senators do. 
you know, there's two senators per state. There's 64, 66 million people in California. You have two senators. There's maybe two million people in Idaho, and you have two senators. So it's just anti-democratic, the setup we have. That's less the point. The larger point is that Donald Trump had an an insanely outsized influence on American culture, on American um, jurisprudence, on American, uh, on the laws. Roe v. Wade is gone because of Donald Trump's appointments to the Supreme Court. So if you think that, oh, well, it doesn't matter. It's the same dude. It's the uniparty. No, the fuck it's not. Democrats might be feckless in a lot of ways. They might be oh, it's not that bad. We don't have to actually codify these things into law when we're in power and we're in the majority. Yeah, of course they made those fucking mistakes. Absolutely. But what you don't see Democrats doing, especially this modern Democratic Party, I'm not talking about Bill Clinton's administration. You're not seeing them putting people like Samuel Alito and Clarence Thomas and Amy Coney Barrett and and Bart O'Kavanaugh, these assholes. You're seeing people like Katanji Brown Jackson being put into positions of power, and that is a, a a critical difference that Emma fucking nailed here. Yeah, so I I agree with everything Emma said, but I'm not going to necessarily respond to Emma's message until after we read our next message, because we're going to do kind of a juxtaposition and an example of <laughs> how... Um, you're always kind of walking on a minefield doing this show, and we're, we're, we've come to expect it now. It's We're not bothered by it. It comes with the territory. We're talking about controversial things all the time. What, what's the phrase? I don't know if you came up with it or you just repeat it because Pease says it on uh, Very Bad Wizard, but thinking in public. Yeah, that's where uh, I learned it. We're, we're thinking in public, and it can be <laughs> perilous. <laughs> yeah, and we're not we're not all going to agree and it's especially difficult in the climate of of what's happening right now around the world and so emma you made very important points if i were to summarize quickly what emma said just to juxtapose it with what i'm about to read emma is wanting us to emphasize why it's important to vote for joe biden the next email is emphasizing why we are failing to criticize joe biden and this is from Weenie Langman. Now, this jumped out at us because when you become a Patreon supporter and you delete your pledge, you decide to stop supporting on Patreon, you have the option to give an exit survey, which asks you basically why you stopped supporting. This isn't something that's just special to us. It's built into the Patreon platform, but it's always telling when we get these exit survey results. Normal exit survey is like, uh, oh, I was only going to give for a certain amount of time or my financial situation changed. That wasn't the case with this one. Yeah, Weenie Langman said, difference of opinion on genocide. (laughs) So I think you can predict where this is going. Fucking wow. But here's why it's important to read this, because this is a common criticism we get, again, that we're not talking about Gaza enough. You know, we're going to get into it, but here's Weenie Langman's message. I cannot tell you guys how disappointed I am. I just went through the last two months of your videos, not a single mention of the genocide. Aaron Bushnell set himself on fire, and you didn't even mention it. Looking at your videos, you wouldn't even know that Joe Biden was committing a genocide. I thought you were better than that, Jesse. But it appears you are just another liberal who can leave their morals at the door when it suits them. I'm so disappointed. You of all people, I was sure, would always stand for what's right. But you made yourself so afraid of Trump, you'd agree to anything to keep him away. You're supporting a monster to keep the monster away. 
So if you ever wondered what you'd have done during the Holocaust, you have your answer. You'd be talking Ugh. about everything else but the Holocaust. Shame on you. Needless to say, I'll no longer be supporting your Biden propaganda. I could cry in frustration, but hell, what's one more? I'd rather know who you are now, and now I do. Bye. Best of luck. Thanks for the many good laughs and good Trump reporting back when it mattered. Now, <laughs> back when it mattered. It doesn't matter anymore, everybody. <laughs> briefly, I want to say it's funny that this person is like, bye, best of luck, because they're still posting on our social media channels. Um, so this person also wrote us a couple weeks ago on this same issue, frustrated with our lack of coverage about Gaza, which, again, we've we've talked about Gaza. I don't think anyone who listens to the show would be like, wow, I've never heard them talk about Gaza. I wonder where they stand on that. Um, but this is something that Weenie Langman wrote from their previous message, and I want to read it. As for women's rights and LGBTQ issues, Biden had the chance to enshrine both into law and stack the Supreme Court when he had the House and Senate from 2020 till 2022. He chose not to. You know why? Because he wanted to use it as a weapon to make you vote for him again. He was supposed to be a one-term president. That went out the window. Biden is not a good guy. I don't even think he's the lesser evil. Okay? <laughs> so this kind of goes to the heart of Emma's message. And, and Jesse, I know you you have... You want to talk about it, but I just want to kind of yeah, get this out yeah. of the way. This is why I wanted to wait to respond to Emma's message, because here's what we're trying to do on this show. We're trying to balance criticism of Joe Biden for not doing enough to prevent the innocents, the innocent Palestinians who are being slaughtered on um, everyday basis, including the most recent instance that made the headlines where Palestinians who are starving because aid trucks are not being allowed into the country. They rushed an aid truck because they're starving and the IDF opened fire and killed them while they were trying to get food. Over 100 dead and over 700 injured. So we're trying to balance the fact that Joe Biden is not doing enough to prevent that with things like next Benedict being killed in their school because of anti-trans bigotry. Wait, wait, all that, according to the weenie character, unimportant. We're trying to balance that with Jennifer Alvarez Estrada Glick, who died after Texas implemented an abortion ban because she was unable to obtain an abortion. We're talking about people that have been forced to have babies without any assistance from the government who are now suffering, who are bringing another life into the world that they cannot support. We're trying to balance that with these very real issues. So it's difficult to do that when you have a large platform and you can influence the views of people. Because when Weenie says, as for women's rights and LGBT issues, Biden had the chance to do this and didn't. What do you think is going to happen for women's issues and LGBTQ people in this country if Donald Trump is elected? What do you think is going to happen to Gaza? If Donald Trump is elected. Absolutely. And I understand Weenie Langman is upset. You have the right to be upset. Go support an independent creator who's covering Gaza constantly. I There are outlets who are doing that. Good for them. We need those people. We're, we're not going to cover it all the time. We're going to cover it. It's important. And we have been doing that. But we have to focus on these larger issues as well because people are going to die. People are going to be killed. This is... I mean, I know people are dying and they're being killed right now, but it's going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah, I'm um, one. I don't 
I think Weenie Langman's heart is in absolutely the right place. I don't think, I think that their anger and their frustration, um, maybe it's just that we're an easy target or something, but this is not, uh, this is an absolute ahistorical understanding of politics in the United States, of the, the positions that have been taken on this show, uh, act, acting as though Joe Biden has this scepter of power that he controls the United States Senate and tells Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema what they must do. That's, come on, that's not how it works. Having a majority in both houses doesn't mean that you wield some kind of magic wand. There's all kinds of wheeling and dealing and fucking parliamentary nonsense that has to take place even to pass a budget. But I listen, I hear you. And if, and if what you were saying was true, now I'm speaking directly to this person. And anyone who feels like this person. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, if that were true, I could, I could understand it. But what frustrates me the most is not these individual cases. It's that if you take a position, we've lost lots of Patreon support because we are both pro-genocide and anti Jewish, anti-Semites who don't support Israel. B- both things. Well, and I just want to say that's people's perception. Yeah, of course. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Right, yeah. So here's a clip from episode 900, just five episodes ago, where I talked, this is about two minutes long, of me t- directly talking about what's going on in Gaza. And I want, I mean, I would think that this is such a cut and dry uh, clip that I'm getting ready to play, but there's still going to be people who come down on either side with an opposite position based on this clip. So weenie, if you're there, if you're listening, sister, brother, they, them, listen. Listen to this and then tell me, I mean, short of renaming the show the Gaza Genocide Hour, I don't know what we can do. A lot of people will talk about how there's so much nuance in this issue, and, and, and that is true. But a lot of people use that phrase and that train of thought to give cover to Israel for the very clear human rights violations and war crimes that are being committed using American dollars. So there's no nuance in that. The nuance comes in that, yes, Israel absolutely as a nation has a right to defend itself without a doubt. But does that uh, right to defense, to self-defense, include in it the systematic killing of innocent women and children and non-combatants? The answer is no. You don't get to turn off the water and, and food supply and starve an entire population of millions of people. That violates the Geneva Convention. It violates international norms and laws. It is disgusting. It is a human rights abuse. You don't get to, especially in in my way of looking at it, using billions of American dollars to say to a population, hey, listen, as a part of our effort to rid uh, the world of Hamas, we're going to be bombing in this area. So move south. And then when that population moves south, you bomb them along the way. Killing thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of children 
who had nothing to do with the installment of Hamas as leadership in governance in Palestine, which happened in 2006, when the the majority of the population of Gaza is under the age of 18 or right around that age. Israel is without a doubt committing war crimes and whether you like, oh, that's not the definition of the genocide. What's the number that we would need to reach of dead Palestinians to start calling it a genocide? So that's really just, I think, to educate people about who may have missed the perspective or maybe who share Weenie Langman's perspective that we haven't talked about it enough or that maybe they're not sure where we stand yeah. and i'm i'm hoping that it's becoming clear where we stand and that again the whole show isn't going to be dedicated to that because we need to talk about everything that's going on as much as possible and so we're we're trying to balance that and you know if that sounds like something you want to support great if that sounds like something you don't want to support and you'd rather support a show that's talking about gaza the entire time then go and find that and support that independent creator that's doing that because what they do is important absolutely if there's a show out there that's doing that absolutely yeah for sure yeah so thank you we appreciate everyone's participation in the show we could not do the show without listener participation and if you want to sound off you can call 657-464-7609 or send an email to idoubtit at dollamore.com Dalemocracy, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So we referenced briefly before that discussion about Gaza that on Friday, I believe, there were 100 Palestinians that were killed, 750 were injured when Israeli troops opened fire because the innocent Palestinians were desperately trying to get food. And it was weird because they released this footage of it as though it would justify what happened. Like, see, look at how they're rushing the trucks. It's like, no, because Israel is preventing the entry of food, water, and medicine into Gaza. So it makes sense that people are rushing an aid truck when the United Nations says a quarter of Gaza's 2.3 million people are now facing starvation. Anyone would rush an aid truck to get some food for their family. Israel right now, under Netanyahu, is just absolutely tone deaf. The shit that they release thinking it's a justification or like a public opinion swear is is just macabre. Yeah, and it's Listen again, and it's unfortunate that Biden has not taken the appropriate stance toward Israel and is still like calling himself a Zionist. It's very disturbing, but I do think that he's starting to listen to young people, particularly like the Michigan primary results that happened. And that's why you see things like Biden approving airdrops of humanitarian aid that uh, dropped into Gaza this this weekend. Yeah, listen, I think some of this, the, the, the disconnect for mainstream, you know, run-of-the-mill party Democrats is is kind of the it's the same problem they have with how they deal with and how they navigate relationships with republicans like they always expect republicans to do the right thing and act decently and that's just not in the fucking cards and it never will be 
and they continue like just Charlie Brown and Lucy holding the fucking football just constantly. And it's the same with Benjamin Netanyahu. This guy is a Trumpian character. He always has been. He's a corrupt criminal. Just the worst of the worst. Someone who is a who is overseeing a genocide and Joe Biden expects him to to, to act in in good faith with our billions upon billions upon billions of dollars that we're giving to this advanced industrialized developed nation it's not like we're giving money to rwanda or some underdeveloped african nation or 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 just name a country that would need the kind of assistance they're getting like ukraine but we're still giving it to them and they're still slapping us in the face by murdering now the death toll in gaza is like 30,000 plus upwards of half of that children dead kids but joe biden goes on seth myers and goes talks you know relatively at length about how he's a zionist it just it is troubling it's troubling but 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 an election ultimately is a binary choice and if you think that it's who cares no different with donald trump you are fucking deluding yourself because it's not going to be just the same with Donald Trump. So, again, I think the pressure is getting to Biden. And that's partially why you saw, and this is not nearly enough, but you saw the Biden administration announce that aid drops are going to Gaza. Facing pressure to ease the growing humanitarian crisis in Gaza, President Biden tonight announced a dramatic new step. Within days, the U.S. will start providing Palestinians desperately needed aid from the air. We're going to join with our friends in Jordan and others in providing airdrops of of, uh, additional food and supplies into Ukraine. The White House later said the president misspoke and was referring to Gaza. His announcement, an acknowledgement that aid trucks are not getting into Gaza quickly enough, though efforts to expedite those convoys remain ongoing. The first airdrops aid say will be ready-made meals and that Israel is supportive of the American efforts. The president tonight also said the U.S. is exploring how to deliver aid by sea. Earlier this week, top U.N. officials warned a quarter of Gaza's population, more than a half million people, are near famine. Tonight's move means U.S. aircraft will soon be flying above a war zone. This is a tough military mission to do uh, because so many parameters have to be exactly right. It comes just 24 hours after Palestinian witnesses in Gaza say Israeli troops open fire on civilians gathering to receive aid off trucks. But the Israeli military says many were trampled in a stampede and others were shot when they threatened Israeli soldiers. Innocent people got caught in a terrible war, unable to feed their families and you saw the response when they tried to get aided and we need to do more and the united states will do more and peter the demand is so great there these airdrops could only make just a dent yeah that's right lester the white house acknowledges that airdrops themselves are not the most efficient or cost effective way to get food and medical supplies in trucks obviously a much better way to do this but white house officials lester say it is worth it to get that additional aid in faster so again this is like the bare minimum this is like the bare minimum. Obviously, 
Joe Biden should be pressuring Netanyahu. Yeah. He should be against giving unlimited checks to the Israeli government to continue doing what they're doing. There has not been meaningful pressure applied on the Israeli government to stop doing what they are doing and killing innocent people. And I mean, again, this is like great that we're doing something but it is not nearly enough yeah i love the well it's not really cost effective to do airdrops you know what else isn't cost effective billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars that are funding uh atrocities at the hands of the israeli government right that's also not real cost effective yeah So we want to follow up on a story that we talked about on the previous episode, which involved Senator from Alabama, Tommy Tommy Tuberville. Tuberville. I'm the most military person ever. You remember that Nobody's more military than me, Brittany. We talked about him because he had no idea how IVF worked. Let's, as a refresher, play that clip from last episode. Do you have a reaction to the Alabama Supreme Court ruling on the fact that embryos are children? Yeah, I was all for it. We need to have more kids. We need to have an opportunity to do that. And this, I thought this was the right thing to do. But IVF is used to have more children. And right now, IVF services are paused at some of the clinics in Alabama. Aren't you concerned that this could impact people who are trying to have kids? Well, that's for that's for another conversation. People need to have that. We need more kids. We need the people to, to have the opportunity to have kids. Senator, what do you say to the women? a hard one it really is it really hard because uh, again you want people to have that opportunity and and that's what i was telling her we need more kids <laughs> so i also want to caution people before we move on to the next tommy tuberville clip I, i'm sure you can't wait is that a lot of republicans are coming out now saying well i support ivf i support ivf they can claim that they support ivf but what the real question is is what do they think should be done with like unused embryos yeah and do they support multiple embryos being created at one time because again the way that the shift would occur based on the the alabama uh, ruling is that normally you create multiple embryos and you rate them by quality and then multiple are implanted based on quality and then that maximizes the chance for a successful pregnancy. And the real question isn't, do you support IVF? It's, what do you think should be done with these embryos, right? So anyway, that's a separate issue. I just don't want people to get fooled by Republicans saying that they support yeah. IVF. So Tommy Tuberville was asked about immigrants. You know, Republicans are going on and on about the, the quote-unquote crisis at the border. And he made this claim that immigrants know nothing about God, but what's interesting is you're going to hear a certain phrase that he uses in this clip that indicates maybe he doesn't know a whole lot about the uh, subject that he's talking about. We live in a constitutional republic that's trying to do things without our Judeo-Christian values. The biggest (laughs) thing right now, I will tell you, is what's going on at our southern border. Uh, When you've got a country without borders, you don't have a country. We have to get moral values back into our country. And you can't do that when you have a million people every couple of months come into this country that know nothing about God, that know nothing about our laws and Constitution. Did you hear that, Brittany Page? I did. We, uh, I like that 
Taekwondo Christian values. <laughs> it's uh, it's real good. Uh, I'm also a little bit fond of that uh, uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu <laughs> Christian values. It's real nice. Not oh. the judo. Not such a fan of the judo. But, you know, uh, any others. Like just regular old boxing Christianity values. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God damn. I am glad that he is in a position of power over that other people. <laughs> is one of the biggest know-nothing. It used to be, I would say, that John Cornyn is the dumbest motherfucker in the Senate. And then maybe it was Cindy Hyde-Smith from Mississippi. But it's got to be uh, the most military person ever, Tommy Tuberville. Oh, boy. Who, by the way, doesn't even live in Alabama. His primary residence is in Florida. And somehow he is still representing the state of Alabama. Yeah. So this is what we're facing in the Republican Party. Just want to keep those reminders about the Republican Party uh, at the forefront of everyone's mind. Also, I just... To say that these immigrants, these desperate people coming here for a better life, they know nothing about God. <laughs> these people are, on the whole, largely, deeply religious Catholics. They know nothing. These are fellow Christians to Tommy Tuberville. And he and the rest of the Republican Party who act like Christianity is the way that should be, it should be the, the, the main religion on earth that rules us all. They're turning their back on fellow Christians. It's, I mean, maybe they, maybe if these immigrants really did practice judo Christian values, it would be better for Tommy Tuberville. Yeah, well, and the bias against un, unbelievers, non-believers, unbelievers, that's not, is that right? Non-believers and atheists, agnostics, it continues to be strong with the Republican Party, so that's to be expected. But Nikki Haley is still running for president, you guys. Wait, and wait, wait. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And she went on Meet the Press to talk about how she's still running for president, just to remind us that she's still running for president. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, hey. I'm still here. And <laughs> she was asked if if she believes, when Donald Trump is elected, if, if he would support the Constitution. Do you think Donald Trump would follow the Constitution if he were elected to a second term? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, you always want to think someone will, but I don't know. You know, when you, when you go in and you talk about revenge, when you go in and you talk about, you know, vindication, when you go in and you talk about what does that mean? Like, I don't know what that means. And only he can answer for that. What I can answer for is I don't think there should ever be a president that's above the law. I don't think that there should ever be a president that has total immunity to do whatever they want to do. I think that we need to have someone that our kids can look up to, that they can be proud of. And I think we need to have a country of law and order, a country of freedom, and a country that goes back to respecting the value of a taxpayer dollar. And we don't have any of that right now. Buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. That's what I was just going to say. I pointed at you. I go, one thing. I just want to say one thing. Oh, sorry. And then you stole the exact thing I was going to. Buzzword, 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 buzzword. Well, and, I mean, fundamentally, the only thing that matters about that clip, I could have cut it off right after I don't know. Right. And the stalling and the pause because she was so shocked by the question that she didn't actually know how to respond. Because, again, this is a presidential candidate, a Republican presidential candidate, who has admitted that she would still vote for Donald Trump even if he was convicted. And before you hear this next clip, this is from six months ago during the Republican 
presidential debate where there were far more candidates than there are now. It's just two. And it's you're not going to see what happens, but the the hosts, I think it's Brett Barron and Martha McCallum, they ask people to raise their hands. And I just want you to envision after they ask the question and the crowd starts cheering that Nikki Haley raised her hand. But we are going to take a brief moment and talk about the elephant not in the room. states on 91 counts. He will be processed tomorrow in Georgia at the Fulton County Jail for charges relating to the 2020 election loss. You all signed a pledge to support the eventual Republican nominee. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. And up goes her hand. And the crowd goes wild because of all of them raising their hands, except for Chris Christie. Chris Christie and Asa Hutchinson. That's right. Yes, those well, were the Arkansas, only two. Right. Yeah, everyone else did. And and so Nikki Haley wants to vote for Donald Trump if he's convicted, while also no, 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 Brittany. She doesn't know. Well, also, well, no, if he's convicted, oh, she's going to vote for him. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. she doesn't know if he'll follow the Constitution, and I guess that's less important. But Nikki Haley <laughs> is now starting to sing a different tune because we've been long predicting that eventually she's going to drop out <laughs> and she's going to endorse him. But now she's starting to kind of get wishy-washy on this issue. Have you taken the prospect, the possibility of endorsing him off the table at this point? It's not anything I think about. What I have said is off the table, (laughs) Ambassador, it sounds like you are in a different place. Are people misinterpreting what you're saying? Have you moved to a place where you're no longer planning to endorse him? Well, I think, first of all, if you talk about an endorsement, you're talking about a loss. I don't think like that. When you're in a race, you don't think about losing. You think about continuing to go forward. What I can tell you is... I don't think Donald Trump or Joe Biden should be president. I don't think that we need two candidates in their 80s. I don't think we want a Joe Biden who calls his opponents fascists or a Donald Trump who calls his opponents vermin. No one wants that. I think people want a new generational leader that is going to go back to what the American dream is, what we want for our kids in a place that's something that we can be proud of again. Let me try it this way. You did sign a pledge, an RNC pledge, to support the eventual nominee. Do you still feel bound by that pledge? I have always said that I have serious concerns about Donald Trump. I have even more concerns about Joe Biden. So is that a no? Are you bound by the RNC pledge? The RNC pledge, I mean, at the time of the debate, we had to take it to where would you support the nominee? And you had to, in order to get on that debate stage, you said yes. The RNC is now not the same RNC. Now it's So you're no longer bound by that pledge? No, I think I'll make what decision I want to make, but that's not something I'm thinking about. And I think that while y'all think about that, I'm looking at the fact that we had thousands of people in Virginia. We're headed to North Carolina. We're going to continue to go to Vermont and Maine and all these states to go and show people that there is a path forward. And so I don't look at what ifs. I look at how do we continue the conversation. This is a person who wants to run for president of the United States. Somebody who wants to be president of the United States. All of this was a whole pile of bad fucking answers. Un- even at the end there. That, uh, well, I said what I had to say to get on the debate stage. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I just, I had, listen, they required it, so I just said it. You had to say yes to get on the yeah, debate so stage. so I lied. <laughs> I just lied. Also, 
that it's not anything that she thinks about, about whether she's going to endorse Donald Trump. I have no ability to look into the future and plan. Is that somebody you want as a president of the United States? Someone who, I mean, this is what, this is the quagmire that we had in Iraq. They didn't plan for an end state. They didn't plan for bad things that might befall the troops and the strategy. There's, there was no, no future looking that, oh, I don't plan for a loss. Well, then you're not, you don't have the medal to be president of the United States because you need all eventualities planned for so you know how to act when unexpected things arise. Well, that, Rem- that reminds me of a line that stood out for me when she said, you don't think about losing when you're in a race. Like, maybe you should have a little bit more anxiety. I mean, as someone who has anxiety, I heard that and I was like, um, you don't think about losing when you're in a race. I mean, you don't want to be consumed by the thought of losing when you're in a race. But I think maybe you want to think about the realities that exist surrounding yeah. your experience. I, I don't want, listen... Uh, I don't want uh, Joe Biden to be calling Donald Trump what he is, a fascist. I don't want that. That's not what the American people want. They don't want to be told the truth. <laughs> what? Yeah. And again, we've we've actually, even though some people think we only talk about Donald Trump, we have been not playing anything from him in a long time. In Donald fact, Trump, baby! <laughs> There was an episode recently where we did a warning that we were actually going to be playing a lot of his voice because people don't like to listen to it, and we hadn't talked about him in a long time. But now that it's increasingly looking like it's going to be Trump versus Biden, and Donald Trump is starting to make the rounds talking about what his positions on things are, I think it's important to start listening to him so that we know what we're in for if Donald Trump is elected again. And he recently sat down with Sean Hannity for a very difficult interview. Boy, was he asked some hard-hitting questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hannity is pretty wide, widely known as a real hard-hitting interviewer. <laughs> yeah. And Donald Trump was asked about his position on abortion. And I think you're going to, you're just going to be surprised by how Donald Trump really bases his views on science. And he goes into depth about when a fetus might feel pain and how that's super relevant to when the ban on abortion occurs. I'm kidding. Absolutely none of that is going to happen. <laughs> So more and more I'm hearing about 15 weeks, and I haven't decided yet. Also, we got it back to the states where it belongs. And by the way, a lot of states are taking very strong stances. Ohio voted. 15 states in 15 weeks. Correct. I mean, a lot of states are taking very strong stances. You look at Kansas, uh, Ohio, and it's going to be the law within the state. And they have gone... You know, much different than a lot of people thought. But everybody on both sides said it has to be in the states. We did a very good thing, a very big thing, a very important thing. Probably hurt the Republicans because a lot of Republicans really didn't know how to talk about it. But you remember this. Now it's in the states. A lot of states are taking a vote of their citizens and votes are coming out both ways. But largely they're coming in with a certain number of weeks. And the number 15 is mentioned. I haven't agreed to any number. I'm going to see. We want to take an issue that was very polarizing and get it settled and solved so everybody can be happy. This fucking coward is going to go to election day with this particular talk track that I just haven't made up my mind. I'm still mulling it over. And then when he gets elected, he's going to take the most radical fucking position because he's going to be swayed by, influenced by the, the, the religious right. 
These nuts, these white Christian nationalists who want to outlaw IVF, who want to outlaw abortion, period, no exceptions, who want to drastically, if not eliminate, access to contraception. This is who the fuck they are, and if you don't think that, and if you think it's the same between the two candidates, you're living in a fucking fantasy land. Yeah, and, and and both things can be true, right? Weenie Langman said that Biden didn't do enough to enshrine abortion rights, for sure. Absolutely. True. But the reality remains that... But not that, just Biden, the Democratic Party at large. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And and we we hear from Donald Trump that he... Yeah, I've been hearing more and more about 15 weeks. Like, it's not even based on anything. It's it's based on nothing. It's he been just reported, likes the name, he likes the tone of 15 yeah, weeks. Yeah, it's been reported that he likes it because it's like a round number. Yeah, well, that was earlier for 20 weeks, I think he was thinking. But yeah, or 18 weeks. I don't 16, know. 16. He 16. keeps changing his mind. Yeah, Again, yeah, it's yeah. not based on principles. It's not based on values. And absolutely, they want in a, a federal abortion ban. So you may feel comforted right now that you live in a state where abortion is protected. Yeah. But if a federal abortion ban is put into place, you there will be no state. Yeah. There will be no safe haven. It's going to be like Texas across the country. And... There's 21 states that ban abortion or restrict it earlier in pregnancy than the standard that was set by Roe v. Wade. Yeah. And there's 14 states that have full abortion bans. So it's a really scary climate. They can talk about it like, oh, it's really nice that the states have the ability to set this. Yeah, they all went and banned abortion. Yeah. Not all of them, 14, but, you know, in 21, restricted it as well. Yeah. It it reminds me of uh, Jeffrey Tubin who I loathe, you know, the guy gets on a work call and starts jerking off on a on a Zoom call, but not the best time he to called jerk it, off. He called it right when Roe when it was when the draft memo leaked and said, "Look, if this goes down, um there will be at least 15, maybe upwards of 20 states that are going to do exactly what they did. He called it early on, and people poo-pooed it. No, you're just being alarmist. That's not the case. All of those Scott Jennings and all those other conservative talking head idiots said, that's just not true, that's not true, and look where the fuck we are. Well, many states had trigger laws, so I don't know why Scott Jennings would be like, that's not right. You know why. I do know why. You know why. I know why. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, listen. We encourage you to sound off on these and any other topics that you have in mind. We encourage you to help support the show. Um, help us move the conversation forward on a episode by episode basis. Sometimes we're going to say shit you don't like. Sometimes the fiery guy that you email may um, reply in a fiery manner. And if that shocks you, I don't know what to say. Uh, but you can go to patreon.com slash I doubt it podcast if you are uh, in it to help support this particular brand of independent media. We love and appreciate you very much. We will see you next time for Brittany E. Page. I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt